0: Good morning, Steve Dale's Pet World on WGN, and we are celebrating the National Dog Show presented by Purina on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, that's right. We've been talking about this as long as the show's been around, 22 years, I think it is. We'll talk with John O'Hurley later in the show, names sound familiar, at Audu, from Seinfeld, Jay Peterman. You know, there's rumors that they are going to reboot the program. You know I will ask him about that. I'm talking about Seinfeld. We'll also talk about the dog show. And David Fry has been broadcasting that dog show for two decades and two years now. Hey, David. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. How are you? I'm good. You know, Uh I, w- I want to talk about you. This is... The <laughs> I know. You're in what trouble. What do you think about me? There you go. <laughs> this is the truth. This is the kind of guy David Fry is. So... Uh, For several years, I was at this dog show, the National Dog Show presented by Purina, and uh, we were staying at whatever hotel it was, and we had some adult beverages, but there was this one person, I don't know if she was a dog breeder, I, I believe, who certainly had her share of adult beverages before David and I even hit the bar, she went back to her room to retire, which she certainly needed to do. And then the fire alarms went off. And there's a, a, a an inferno. The hotel is all up in flames. And David said and did this. He fought through the flames to go to a room. I don't know how he knew what the room number she was in, but he knew. And he knocked at the door, and he pounded at the door, and he broke the door down, and he rescued her. That's my version of the story. <laughs> That's a great story. I don't want to screw up a good story with the facts. But, um, <laughs> we've actually,
1: in 22 years, we've had uh, fire alarms three different times at our at our local hotels. Oh so, wow! Um, it's uh, th- it th- it follows us. It follows us. We want to be in the news, and that's. You know, one of the old, oldest PR tricks in the book, build a fire at your hotel. And
0: you <laughs> well, you actually did. I exaggerated just a little. But, but you actually did go back to her room. You knew that she was rather out of it. Uh, you didn't know, nor did I or anybody, whether this was a real fire or a false alarm. And you said, I'm going to make sure that she gets out okay. And you did that.
1: Well, I'm sure she would have done it for me and I would have done it for you and you would have done it for either of us. So, um it's just another day in the dog
0: show world. <laughs> another day in the dog show world. You've been in the dog show world for a very long time beginning, I think it was with Afghan hounds. That's it. I I blame it all on a woman. I got my I never had a dog as a
1: kid growing up really in the family, but when I moved into my ho- first house in college, my girlfriend said, let's get a dog. And I said, Oh, okay. I'm 20 years old. I'm going to do whatever the girl says. And (laughs) and I said, okay, what kind? And she said, how about an Afghan hound? I said, well, I don't know what that is, but okay, let's get one. And so we got the Afghan hound. And three weeks later, the girl left and the dog stayed. And it was the best thing that could have happened to all three of us. (laughs) Are you still in touch with this girl by any chance? You know, I told that story to a reporter in New York City. They wrote the story for the New York Post TV magazine one Sunday with, with that lead, and it was syndicated and went to Hawaii, where my ex-girlfriend lived, and I got a phone, the next, phone call the next morning that says, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> and well, she was laughing about it, and I was laughing about it, too. But yeah, we've stayed in touch all these years, but... um it was a, a fun start to it all. I mean, I always I tell everybody I was going to grow up to be a baseball coach. I thought my my career path was paved with AstroTurf, and it ends up being paved with wee wee pads.
0: Well, he's, he's he's shooting all those one liners at us today, uh, and and certainly the writers are off strike or something because otherwise you wouldn't have those one. But you know what, your your career. Look at the way it has digressed if you will you were in sports promotion i know you worked with a a national football league team i believe and here you are for many years now many many years broadcasting dog shows if there's a dog show worth watching on national tv uh, david fry is the broadcaster of that show what is the best thing about that job well, it's it's kind of, I have to call it a, a a dead heat
1: between the dogs and the people, and I, I think they go hand in hand, obviously. But I've met a great a, a great number of wonderful people who are really kind of my main social circle, if you will. Um, but I've also been able to see these great show dogs and great dogs, not just show dogs, but. But the, uh, the fact that it's brought me the platform where I can talk about things like therapy dogs and and our war heroes and our our security dogs, our police dogs, as a part of our everyday world, um, and 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 help people realize all the great things that our dogs do for us, even if it's just making us smile. But uh, the things like Yoda, the great dog that helped rescue this criminal in Pennsylvania that was out in the wilderness, right, hiding from everybody, and. And uh, sometimes we don't think about that. You know, this is a dog. It's a real dog. And I say to people all the time about our show dogs. I said, yeah, um, we do dress them up a little bit and take them to dog shows on weekends. But most of the time, they're just like your dog at home where they're stealing food off the counters and sleeping on our couches and shedding on our black clothes and and maybe even drinking out of a toilet once in a while. <laughs> they are real dogs, and we are real people involved in this great family sport that brings everybody uh, for, for generations of families in some cases, uh, together.
0: What is it about dogs? I mean, I don't think that the government has said you must live with a dog. Yet, right now, uh, more than ever, uh, among those 22 years that we've been talking about the National Dog Show, we have more dogs in America. Uh, and most of those dogs are indoor dogs. The 90 something percent consider dogs members of the family. They are that. What is Absolutely. it about? Yeah, what is it about dogs? I mean, no one forces us to do this. We choose to have dogs in our lives. Why?
1: Well, I always say to people, I said, if, if, if you don't think your dog is a member of your family, answer me this. The last time you bought a car, did you say, well, is it going to be right for my dog? How about the last time you bought a house? Is it going to be right for my dog? Um, How about when you go on vacation? Can we take the dog? When we're going to dinner, can we take the dog? The dogs are family, and they they deserve to be with us because of the great things they do for us. But it can be something just as simple as making you smile, making you think about uh, the good things in your life instead of the challenges you may be facing every day. You come home from a long day at work, and the dog's there to greet you. They're spontaneous. They give you unconditional love. And they can help you in so many different ways. But mostly, it's just being there when you need a friend.
0: Hmm. And David Fry has been a friend of dogs uh, and a friend of ours for a very long time. The National Dog Show presented by Purina on Thanksgiving Day. I want to know what makes the dog show a sport. And also, who's going to win the dog show? If anyone ought to know, it's David Fry. He's going to tell us, right? Right? Right, David? (laughs) I always do, don't I? Not really. We'll be back. We'll be back on WGN. David Fry broadcasting the National Dog Show presented by Purina Thanksgiving Day on NBC, 12 noon. No matter where you happen to live, certainly if you live in Chicago, 12 noon Central Time. Uh, And, you know, this has been going on for 22 years, the National Dog Show. Who would have ever thought that it would go on for 22 years, that the ratings would demonstrate that the show deserves to go on and keep going on and on and on and on. And it does have super-duper superstar ratings. Why do
1: you think, David? I think there's a number of things. First of all, we're blessed by being in a great time slot, following the Macy's Prey, that that led a lot of people just to, just to happen to be there the first few years when, we, when the show came on. Uh, and taking the place of It's a Wonderful Life and, uh, on their TVs, but it, it's generational. I mean, it, it, the show can appeal and dogs can appeal to people, whether they're children or, or parents or grandparents or great grandparents. Uh, we, we, span all those generations and we say uh dogs until two hold on to the remotes don't let those football people get get the remote away from you to watch football they can go to another room or go to another place but um everybody loves the dogs and i also call it uh, i call it the alma mater factor where if you're sitting there watching the dog show with your Brittany sitting on the couch next to you you're going to want to root for the Brittany. You want to see the Brittany. You want to see the Br- Brittany win. And uh, that gives you some sort of a, a rooting interest as well. But I think you're also entertained by the great variety of sizes and shapes and hair and stories about these dogs uh, generically, what they were originally bred to do, why they look the way they do, why they act the way they do. And, and then we also have some interesting human, in, human interest stories, as it were, about the people and the dogs that are there. They're real dogs, just like your dog at home.
0: Now, you called earlier in our conversation, you said something to the effect, the great sport of dog shows. Is it really a sport?
1: It is a sport because these dogs are athletes for the most part. They're there to perform some some function for people. And even though, you know, through the years we've bred dogs to do those things, to be farm dogs, to herd our sheep and herd our cattle and uh, to be a protection dog, to be a working dog. and And now over the years... Because of the industrial revolution, or or the internet, or computers, or whatever you want to attribute it to, these dogs don't get to do that so much anymore. We've got we've got uh, um, exterminators that take care of the rats in our home. We don't have to have the dogs do that. We've got ATVs to help herd the cattle to market if that's your thing. Um, we don't need to have them hauling hauling loads around for us. They really have become members of the family. They've moved from the from the farm to the barn to the garage to your family room and to your bed uh, over the years. And they really have become a member of the family. But they still have that temperament and the personality that was bred into them to help them do their job. So those are the things that appeal to people. You may like a a breed because of the way it acts or because of its athletic abilities. Or you may love a dog because it sits on your lap when you're watching television.
0: Apparently, David Fry has rats in his house. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I lived in New York for 15 years now. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe that maybe that explains. actually New York has a rat czar, a person whose job it is. I think more people know the person's name who is the rat czar, although I don't. Uh, than Mayor Adams in New York City. So, getting back to dog shows, I have one little question for you. I don't think it's asking too much. I think it's only right when you appear on uh, America's greatest radio station that you're able to answer this one question. I don't think it's asking too much, Dave. You ready? I'm I'm ready. Who's going to (laughs) win? Who's going to win? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um... I think it'll be the dog who puts on the best show for the day. Oh, it, that happens for the day. You know, Michael Jordan didn't score 48 points every time out. There's there's times where he wasn't quite on. Sometimes I've heard I heard a story once. A person said, oh, my, I didn't think my dog was going to show good today because he ate a, a leftover pizza that was in our room <laughs> in the hotel last night and uh and so you just never know they have to the dog's got to feel right everything's got to be going right for them and most dogs can plow right through that because you know they're used to being at a dog show they're used to having strangers come up and poke and prod them as they're judging them and and uh, they're used to a loud crowd so so that's all part of the deal it's a dog show it's entertainment and you got a show
0: all right so give me 3 dogs to watch for
1: ah now, I'll give you two of them. It's very easy. Okay. Watch for the Labrador and watch for the Golden Retriever. Oh, really? Um, oh, well, we're always rooting for those dogs. And it does. And it's. And it's. We're, I'm talking about the breeds now, not so much the specific dogs, but uh, but the breeds that are involved that are involved there. And and those are two of America's most popular dogs. Yeah. I mean, Labradors have led the AKC and registrations for the last thirty years until this year when uh, when the French Bulldog. Overtook them. So, um, who knows? Uh, <laughs> I, I really don't know. I'm not like everybody else. I can who be standing knows? outside the watching somebody judge and say, "I don't know why he picked that dog. I like the one back there at the end that he that he's just sort of walked away from." So, it could be any dog, any time, and we'll see what happens. But you know, the dogs. The dogs have to be entertaining. They have to look like they're a good specimen of their breed and look like they're able to do what they were bred to do. And once we get past that and they can get out and get out and about and compile some great show records, we've got some dogs uh, this year that are that are all of those things. They're entertaining. They look like great athletes, and they look like they're enjoying themselves, and it could be anything. I think the number one dog in the country right now is a Shih Tzu. Hmm. So, and then we got a Bulldog in the top Five and an Afghan hound in there, a couple of Afghan hounds in there, really. And so we'll see what happens. We'll see who's there and see who puts on the best show and and enjoys themselves. And the unknown factor is always the judge. The dogs are judged at three levels. First in their breed, they got to win their breed. Then in their group, they got to win their group, and they'll be one of seven finalists for best and show. And it's a different judge each step of the way. And now the best and show judge is going to get seven great dogs, you hope, in the ring, the the group winners, and they'll make a decision based on what they see that day.
0: You know, I've I've asked you this before, I think, but what if there were three judges judging best in show? That's not how it works. It's one judge, and it's that judge's choice. But if there were three, and they didn't consult with one another, and they each wrote down their choice, their individual choice, would you have three different responses, you think?
1: Probably probably not. I would guess that two of the three in that scenario, I would guess that two of the three could find the same dog, as we would say in the dog world. But but it wouldn't surprise me at all if all three of them had a different dog, because they all come from the judges all come from different backgrounds. They may be a herding breed person or they may be a sporting dog person. And, and so their tendency might be to lean towards the dogs that they're most familiar with. Um, so you just have to wait and see. I mean, we always talk about we talk about dark horses or dark dogs, if, if you <laughs> want to call it for competition's sake. But, geez, I think uh, maybe this is the year for a golden retriever. Let's see what happens. I, there's a couple of very nice Afghan hounds, but are they both going to be here? We don't know. There's other dog shows for them to go to on the on that weekend. That, that depending on their geography, they might not be able to get all the way to Philadelphia. But um, I think we're going to see we're going to have a great winner, no matter what we've had. We've had 21 great winners in the 21 shows before. And uh, last year, we had this great winner, Winston, the French Bulldog, that that uh, just delighted the world for the last year as, as the reigning champion. And he, you're going to see him at our dog show, too. He's going to come and help us uh, do the open for our show. Nice. And, and I think it's going to be a fun day for everybody, as it
0: always is. It always is. When David Fry and John O'Hurley are there to broadcast the National Dog Show presented by Purina on NBC. David! Always superb, wonderful talking to you. Always, Steve. We'll talk again soon. Watch your step. Are cats mysterious? What do you think? I mean, they kind of are, really. They've been our pets. We've shared our home with cats for a very long time. And yet, they are still an enigma. Is that the right word? I'm, I'm not sure. I do know this. Cats, for example, mask when they're in pain. They can be hurting, and it's sometimes very difficult for us to tell. Cats sometimes communicate with us in ways we don't quite understand. In fact, we misunderstand. Now, having said that, the notion that cats don't communicate with us, we now know, is absolutely wrong. And while it is more difficult to read their face, what they're saying, it is possible There are now ways in which we can better understand what cats are trying to tell us by looking at their face if they're in pain or if they're anxious, by looking at their eyes, by looking at their ears, by looking at their whiskers. All of that matters as well as their body stance. Are they standing stiffly or lying stiffly? Well, the book in which we're talking about next week is called the Hidden Language of Cats. And Sarah Brown will be here. Dr. Brown will translate cat language for us. And here he is, the Mr. Everybody in show business, John O'Hurley. I mean, seriously, John, you've done everything, I think, in show business, except have you been an usher at a movie theater? Have you, have you, you know, done that?
2: I, I was an usher over at Brooklyn Academy of Music back when I was an actor. Uh, and uh, I would use it because it was a great way to go entertain myself in the evening.
0: Back when uh, you were, oh, hold uh, hold you said back, earth. back, I, I
2: back? in twenty bucks, but that's a, but it was a nice way to entertain myself at the same time of uh, of um, you know doing something useful. You said
0: back when you were an actor. You didn't mean to say it that way, did you?
2: Back when I was a young actor. <laughs> ah, okay, okay.
0: Because you're still an actor and a very I am very good still an one. actor. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. Thank yeah. You yeah. Yeah.
2: Catching
0: me on that. Oh, no, no, no. And and the thing about you, John Hurley, is you can read a line, and I could read a line. It would come out completely differently. You do have a knack for. It's not what you say only; it's how you say it, and that's true when you do anything, whether it's hosting a game show, broadcasting the National Dog Show presented by Purina on Thanksgiving Day, or when you were Jay Peterman in Seinfeld. Uh, am I at all correct about that?
2: Uh, well, I, you know, I grew up believing that, um, that the voice is an instrument. Um, it's a musical instrument. Uh, and all, its job is to sustain tone. Uh, and that's what makes my voice different from yours, yours different than mine, and, uh, and on down the line. Uh, but I truly believe that it's a musical instrument that needs to be learned. And uh, so I've, I've taken the time to learn it. I I studied opera back when I was in college. That was my minor, uh, in addition to theater as a major. Um, so I've learned how to use my voice, how to place it correctly, and uh, and I can play with it. And because I can play with it, I can do the things that... But, you know, Steve, if you go back to the 40s and the 50s and even the 30s, you'll find that most actors... Um, Studied voice, uh, and many came from radio, mm-hmm. where they had where you had to develop a speaking voice. Um, today, not so much. I mean, you have people that you know uh, that are legitimate film stars. That if you stand them on a Broadway stage, you can't hear them, and it you know they they they, they never brought that tool to the uh, to their or that arrow to the quiver.
0: What is the biggest difference between appearing on, say, a Broadway stage? and the intimacy, I'm partially answering the question, I suppose, of, of doing something for television.
2: Well, I, I don't consider television intimate at all. It's anything but intimate. Mm. I find it kind of, uh, it's intrusive, um, because the only thing that matters is that little black hole that's sitting somewhere in the room. That's the only thing that matters. All the other room, all the, everything else in that room is meaningless. It's whatever that little black hole will pick up. Plus the fact, television is an editor's medium. It's not an actor's medium. They will assemble all of the footage that they have shot—not footage, as we call it anymore—but let's let's call it that. All of the content that they have um, uh, filmed, and the editor will put it together, and he'll cut this and do that, and all of stuff. My job—it was done a month earlier and finished. But now the job begins with the editor, and he put—he creates the show. So it has nothing, it, 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 there's nothing intimate, really, about it. A Broadway stage, however, is very intimate. I need that audience as much as they need me. And what I know is that in eight, at 8 o'clock, at 10.30, they're going to be on their feet clapping and applauding, and it's my job to bring them a story and to make sure that they trust that I can deliver that story.
0: Are we going to see you back on t- TV anytime soon, I
2: hope? Yes, yeah, so I have a new... Uh, a new series called Through the Grapevine, which has uh, kind of an uh, Anthony Bourdain uh, type of feel to it. It's about uh, uh, fine wine, fine food, and uh, and ambiance. And I will be basically traveling the world looking for the finest of uh, and most unusual of everything.
0: How did you get that gig? It sounds amazing. I tell you, I hate my life. <laughs> well, knowing you a little bit, it seems to be perfect for you. Because you are a man of the world, I mean, it seems well, that you like fine things, and also you like I what do. you like.
2: I do. What is beautiful is all there is. and uh, you know life really is a, is, a, is a search for beauty, I think. and um, and, and I, I, I like to I like to bring the sense of elegance to things. I, it, uh, it's always a very it's always very meaningful for me. And I think that's one of the things I love about the dog show. I think the dog show. Is a very elegant um, experience. Uh, the dogs always look their best. They're 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 trained to be the best that they can be of their breed, and um, and they look wonderful.
0: So, before we get back to the dog show, which is I know what you're here to talk about. Tell me where we can find the series, and where when will debut? Uh,
2: they're still up, believe it or not, as with all of these download uh, channels right now, it will have a main carrier and then it will have all sorts of download stations as well. So that will be announced.
0: And do you have any idea when it will hit?
2: Uh, we're starting to film it the first quarter of uh, this year. Okay. Of uh, coming year.
0: And if I'm to believe, and of course you have to believe, everything on the Internet's got to be true, that Seinfeld is going to have a reboot, and you will be a part of that?
2: Oh, I uh, listen, I don't. I, I never know that. I mean, this was something that... Uh, That Jerry uh, let loose out of the side of his mouth. I think (laughs) at uh, one of his uh, one of his tour stops, and uh, and and I don't I don't know that he was I don't know that he had anything planned. Jerry usually doesn't. He's a very shrewd guy. I don't think he would have said anything unless there was something going on. But that being said, I you know. as I have said before, and you and I've discussed this, that uh, Seinfeld was really about selfish thirty-year-olds. That was for the success of the show. And uh, you know, if you, if, you ta- if, if you're now bringing them back as selfish sixty-year-olds, I don't know that it has the same appeal. I um, I kind of like it the way it was left. I, I mean, although I would love to redo Jay Peterman again and uh, and uh, give him a continued life, but um, but I don't know. I have mixed feelings about. Uh, about a revival.
0: So before we take a break, okay, you're Jay Peterman, but let's say you're the writer. If it's up to you, what would Jay Peterman be doing right now?
2: Where does well, it pick I think, up? I think the company would still be running because it really is the framework of one of the uh, the absolute Seinfeld perfect circumstances. You know, this, this lunatic uh, running around the world uh, looking for a, um, a swatch of corduroy Um, an elusive swatch of Corduroy, and then, uh, you know, encountering all sorts of uh, misadventures. Uh, I I, I think that he's really the perfect Seinfeldian character.
0: Well, uh, I am hoping. I know that there are millions, literally millions of people hoping. But then again, there's a price to be paid sometime if the decision isn't the right one to come back. We'll see what happens. I do know this. We'll be coming back after a commercial break to talk about the National Dog Show presented by Purina. John O'Hurley is here. It's Thanksgiving Day, of course, on at 12 noon. The National Dog Show presented by Purina and the one man in the world. Well, let me rephrase that. Among the many people in the world who can intimidate me because he's got a better voice, it's John O'Hurley. Hey, John! (laughs) Uh, uh, nice to be with
2: you, as always.
0: A dog show. When NBC yes. came to you and said, hey, uh, John O'Hurley, would you like to do, this was over 20 years ago, a dog show. A
2: dog show. What did you think? I said, well, you know, I uh, I always listen to my imagination, Steve. It never steers me wrong. Uh, my rational mind always lies to me, but my imagination doesn't know how to lie because it's a a 24-7 assessment of who I am and what I'm supposed to be and it's constantly changing and upgrading And and um, uh, but I have to listen to it and, and it's it, that was the same thing that drove me to do Dancing with the Stars to write books to compose uh, to do Broadway to take certain uh, jobs as an actor and turn some down and um, it's always been my imagination that leads me through it and the dog show is just one of those circumstances where myself as odd as it was and as big a right-hand turn as it was, because then you say to yourself, well, you know, how are they going to take me seriously as an actor if I'm, you know, do a hosting, a, hosting a, uh, a dog show? And, and you know, uh, what I have discovered is that let things figure themselves out. You know, people who try to create their careers from the front end usually fail. A career is something you kind of take a half look over your shoulder and say, well, look at all of that. that was, that's my career.
0: Well, but you've done and continue to do just about everything, far more than most. But I want to talk about the dog show. So when you first said, okay, because your imagination led you to do it, and there you are, paired with David Fry for your first dog show, and now you'll tell me how many years, but I know it's over 20 years later.
2: 22 years. Okay,
0: yeah, there you go. 22 years. Yeah, longer than... Most of David's relationships, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> you, you said it. I did. I did, <laughs> and I'll tell him I said it. And if not, I'm sure you'll tell him.
2: Uh, I think, yeah, he, he's absolutely. I'll tell you, his uh, vac- vacations haven't lasted that long. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So, what is it about the dog show that you know now that you didn't know then, or about dogs in general?
2: Well, America has a love affair with their dogs. Uh, it absolutely, it's an extraordinary, you know, I used to think of dogs as just, you know, we we had a dog and it was always our pet and uh, it, I was enormously close to every dog that we had. Um, but it, in the show arena, I was uh, introduced to the idea of the excellence of the breed and the idea that each of these breeds has a history, it has a written specification of what the perfect specimen of that breed should be, and it's over the years been fascinating to, to learn more and more and more and discover more and more breeds as they, um, um, as they accredit them. Uh, it's, I think that's been the joy of seeing these brand new breeds when we started. 22 years ago, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you exactly, we had 165 breeds that were recognized by the AKC. We have 209 right now.
0: And in fact, recognized around the world, there are far more. Yep than 209. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more like 300 and something or another.
2: So it is, uh, you know, and it's funny. And it's funny that you say that because I'll, I'll be in Europe and somebody, I'll say, well, that's an interesting breed. I'll see a dog being walked down and they'll, and they'll say it's, uh, you know, a schmoozle, or something <laughs> like that. And I say, okay, really? I've never heard that. Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful breed. you And I, you know, exactly. All that, yeah, all that glitters is not here in this country, necessarily. Uh, there are some beautiful breeds around the world, but the AKC does a wonderful job of standardizing everything and, um, and controlling um, the, the, the way that this world of show, showing dogs has grown.
0: So as we're watching the dog show on Thanksgiving Day, and you're describing with David Fry the individual dogs, how do we know which one John O'Hurley is truly thinking, is going to win the show. Is there a secret?
2: Well, you know, I, I have certain breeds that I recognize. And I think it's because there are certain um, more obvious traits with them like you know i'll take my my irish setter every year it's got the beautiful auburn hair flowing the neck is 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 totally erect as it just saunters around the ring and the that auburn hair flowing and as i always say it looks like the redhead that just walked into the cocktail party <laughs> but it is uh, i mean a dog like that it's Stands out. Yeah, um, A Great Dane stands out from its size. The Irish Wolfhound, same thing. Um, and then some of the smaller, the, uh, the Norwich, the Norwich and the uh, Norfolk Terriers are adorable in the cute fit, you know. But there are other breeds, and this is where David is really good. He can look at the Terriers, which I, I don't. I don't get the Terriers. I just don't. I love them. They're, they're, don't get me wrong, they're wonderful dogs. I just can't, I couldn't tell you a good one from a bad one, but boy, they win a lot. Do, um, do you ever, very, affect... as, as, a, as a cumulative breed uh, of dog, the Terriers, that, that group, um, they win a lot of Best in Shows, and David can recognize them, I can't, because he'll say, oh, I really like this dog, and I go, why, you know? He goes, oh, no, he's very athletic, very fit, very put together. And I like, go, okay, you see something light out. But that's uh, but that's the joy of, of being together and having two different uh, sets of eyes.
0: Well, and some of it, even though the dogs are judged based on a breed standard, some of it, I think, is subjective. I mean, if you put – the dog shows don't work this way, but if you put five judges together in the ring and they mm-hmm. privately said, okay, what would your what would your best in show be? I bet you'd come up with <clears throat> five
2: yep. different you'd, you'd answers. Have, you'd have five different dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, and and you know, hopefully, we have reached a point in the show when you know you could close your eyes and throw a dart on a board and hit the right breed uh, or, or hit a representative breed because you know we want to have seven dogs, all of which could be best in show, and I think that's. Um, I think that's the that that is what says we've had a successful show when we can look that far and say well he could have picked anybody and it would have been all right.
0: And what dogs are you sharing your home with
2: right now? Well, uh, I have two rescues um, and then a little havanese. Hmm. Uh, the havanese is about uh, fifteen years old now, so it's on the on the uh, senior side of its life, but is absolutely my my wife is. Um, my wife is either Mother Teresa or St. Francis of Assisi. I don't know one of the two, but she's able to extend dogs' lives well beyond their expectation. And uh, and as I say 15-year-old Havanese is uh, a joy in our life, but we know that we're on the back end of that time together.
0: Sure. We have a 15-year-old dog, too, I understand.
2: <laughs> is your wife able to do that with
0: people, by the way?
2: I'll come and live with you. That's <laughs> right. It's right. Well, I hope you don't
0: eat much. Well, then then there's a problem, because I do eat much. The National Dog Show, presented by Purina. It's on Thanksgiving Day. And with David Fry, here is John O'Hurley again, 22 years broadcasting this show. John, a year doesn't go by for 22 years without me talking to you at least once, and it is always a pleasure. Good luck with the new
2: TV series as well. Thank you very much. Great to talk to you once again, Steve.
0: That story I told earlier in the program about David Fry rescuing someone from her hotel room who had a little too much to drink is absolutely a true story. I mean, there was no blazing inferno, and but there was a fire, I think, gosh, it was several years ago. I believe it was in the laundry room, if I remember right. And it wasn't, I mean, it took the fire department, I think, five minutes to put out the fire. But still, you can smell smoke a little bit in the hotel. And when the alarm rang, you knew it was not a false alarm, because you could smell smoke. And the type of guy David Fry is, he knew this one person was a bit overserved, and went to her room and, and knocked on her door very loudly to make sure that she heard the alarm and was able to get out of the room. Because we didn't know where the fire was. We just knew there was a fire. That is the kind of guy David Fry certainly is. Hey, Thanksgiving Day not only means the National Dog Show, it might mean a special meal for your family, right? So be sure, be sure that the guests don't overfeed your dog or cat teaching them to beg at the table. That's one thing. But another, what I'm also very concerned about is that when they offer a little bit of turkey, first of all, it's got to be a little bit. Remember that 12-pound dog or 10-pound cat is 12 or 10 pounds. We can eat three or four slices of turkey, right? A big slice of turkey for an animal that small is way too much. But it's the fat or the skin on the turkey or ham that I'm really worried about because that can cause pancreatitis, and that can mean a serious long-time hospital stay. Also, be sure that your pets can't get into the trash. Not only am I concerned about what I just said, I'm also concerned about bones. You've been hearing me and others for years talk about how dogs do, and sometimes cats, choke on turkey bones or chicken bones, for that matter. So be sure that the trash is something the cat or dog cannot get to. We'll talk to you next week, bright and early, when I get to you on WGN.